Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus. Stay chill or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. everyone and welcome to a new episode of the Matcha Diaries um, podcast with your co-hosts Tara and Leo and normally obviously it's just the two of us I mean we have guests on sometimes but this guest we have a guest on today the first one of 2024 oh yeah this is the first guest episode of 2024 and also a very different one because we talk about books like quite a lot on this podcast and I feel like everyone is very aware of our love for them and especially like the fantasy romanticy genre so we're very excited to have Rachel Greenlaw here today with us I hope that's how you pronounce your name otherwise that was very um embarrassing of an intro but anyways um she (laughs) is an incredible author and um I was first introduced to her in kind of December and I think I actually spoke about her book in like our Podmas series um yeah and yeah, she's now coming out with a with a new romanticy book called Compass and Blade. And we're here to just talk about all things books and how it is to be an author and <laughs> everything like that. Everything that will come up in this episode. Let's see. Rachel, do you want to give a quick introduction into yes. who you are, your background? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, hi, Cara and Leo. It's so lovely to be talking to you. Um, after I feel like we've been chatting over email for a long time now, so um, it's really lovely to do this podcast with you. Um, so uh, I'm Rachel Greenlaw. Uh, I am an uh, author of adult and young adult books. Um, my next book that's coming out at the end of February is Compass and Blade, which is the first in an epic romantic series and it's being published with HarperCollins. That's so cool. I'm I love so like exciting. the phrase of epic romantic. Like romantic. <laughs> <Romanticy. laughs> That's so cool. I mean also I didn't so yeah I guess I've now read the the Christmas book was like an adult romance and this is YA. Yes. This is probably like diving in too much already no. but like do you have a preference of like what you prefer to write? Um do you know what I I I don't necessarily because um, I really liked writing One Christmas Morning because it um, it's still speculative so it's got like um, a kind of fantastical element to it but it's mm. um, it's a bit more kind of grounded in our world because um, it's contemporary um, but I also love um, writing fantasy which is just straight up like let's just explore everything in your imagination and you can make up whatever you want 
Um, so getting to do both <laughs> those things is really good fun. Um, and actually, my next book for adults, which is out in October, is another sort of speculative um, contemporary romance. Um, so I, I'm quite happy to dabble in both. And I have ideas and pictures for both fantasy <laughs> and speculative romance for the future. Oh my god, you're busy. <laughs> so there's two books being released this year. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Was your first book the Christmas yeah, morning yeah, one? Yeah, that was my my debut. Um so Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so exciting. We'll we'll let you do like your highs and lows okay. so that again the the audience is, is used to this format. I think Car and me are not gonna do our highs and lows because it's just gonna take it takes you guys know time. how long. So I feel it'll like take. we're so e- we're so excited, I think, to just like ask. Oh you no, of course. So. Um, oh yeah, highs and lows for the week. Um, so let's start <laughs> with my highs because uh, I love talking like about like good things. Um, so my highs mm-hmm. for the week have been that yesterday it was like a super sunny day, and then like the sunset was just incredible. And I went for a walk with a friend, and um, it was just like the sky was on fire, and then it like faded to a dusty Aww. pink, and it was so beautiful. Um, and like just getting some sunshine just gave me so much happiness and joy and um, just like made my week Um, so that was a real Mm -hmm. high Um, also I'm drafting a new book and it's going really well and um, I'm really enjoying it so um, that's a major high Um, a low for the week is that one of my children wasn't very well Um, so uh, that was um, tricky uh and you know not great for her but she's feeling a lot better now so um yeah it's just that's everyday life oh that's good how many children do you have have? two two girls oh oh that's so i that must be so cool for them as well to have like a mother who's like an author i'm sure you you read to them a lot Right. Yeah, we do. And like, I basically fill their rooms with books, um, whether they like it or oh. not. And um, whenever <laughs> whenever their friends come around, they like sneak into my office and try to like, take things like, you know, like promo material for like my new book. Oh. Like, one of them found, um, they um, have Collins have done like these tote bags for Compass and Blade. And I got sent like a few of them. Um, and I gave one to each of the girls. And then like, one of their uh-huh. friends like snuck into my office and was like, can I have one of and obviously I couldn't say no (laughs) yeah how do you say no to a I couldn't I couldn't (laughs) that's so cute Um, you're like I guess this is going out in the world now and everyone (laughs) can see that (laughs) mine um but yeah so it is it is really special kind of sharing that with them and actually my new book Compass and Blade is dedicated to both of them oh Yeah, I guess you're also writing about like strong female role models and I'm sure that must also like play on your mind, I don't know, if like in the in the writing process. Absolutely. Um like I really believe in, you know, having strong female characters. And that doesn't necessarily mean like physical strength, but like mental and yeah. emotional strength as well, you know, overcoming things and um, you know, being able to defeat your like demons effectively. Um, I think that that is a fantastic theme and it's something that I'd love to make sure that my own children um, kind of see represented in my books. I love that. Yeah, that's so cool. I mean, that's, I feel like that's a big, like, theme in this book is also, like, her finding out more about, like, I mean, to be fair, in both books of that, I, that I've read from you, it's like, 
them finding out a bit more about like who they are and like almost going on like an emotional journey to connect better with themselves like it's it's as much I mean probably in one Christmas morning it's even more about like the emotional journey about like okay get becoming more self-aware mm. and almost like pulling yourself out of like a spot where you've like gone too far or you you know um but even in this like fantasy book I feel like it's it much more than like a lot of other fantasy books I feel like it's about like her finding her own identity and like finding finding out more about who she even wants to be as a person like her dreams yeah aspirations for the future her role in society I don't want to spoil anything in this book but there was also I didn't feel like she was scared at all and there was always I feel like instantly as soon as she had to overcome a challenge you don't really see her question whether she is capable of doing it she's like I'm just gonna I'm gonna figure it out and then that's never a part of the thought process which again I think is quite rare because there's always I feel like as well with female characters there's always the questioning of like oh how you know should I or what do I do and but I feel like in this book it was just very instant like she's gonna figure it out um and kind of tackle whatever obstacles come her way which I thought was really nice to see um yeah I'm really glad you mentioned that because um that really speaks to like her background and the fact that she's grown up on an island and she's had to be quite resourceful um and the fact that she lives in this really tight-knit community and she's um kind of learned to trust the people around her and to like lean on them as her team um and that they figure things out like together as a team um and that was really important for me to like get across um because it really shows like why she's trusting in the book and why she gets betrayed I was wondering okay because we've kind of touched on like both of the books that that are I guess gonna probably be out now by the time that like this episode is out potentially um but I know that you were saying that you don't like doing this but maybe you could give like a brief synopsis of of both of the books so that people know when we're like referencing certain characters or you know certain certain worlds that they they know what we're talking about um of course yeah um so one christmas morning is uh about a woman called eva who um she is just about to open uh her new shop in london uh it's just before christmas and um she is trying to forget something that's happened three years before um and she's invited to her friend's Christmas house party uh, on the snow moorland <laughs> of North Cornwall. Um, when she gets there, she uh, she gets snowed in. So does her assistant, Diana, who drove her down. Um, and her husband gives her an ultimatum um, that if she leaves the house party before the end of Christmas, they're over. Um, so she has all these like emotional tugs straight away. Um, and... In the middle of the night, she decides um, to put her business first and gets up to leave. But then she sees somebody in the middle of the road who she hasn't seen in three years, someone she loves very much. Um, and then when she wakes up back in the house, she wakes up in the body of a different guest. Um, she'll have to live out this day, Christmas Day, again and again, waking up in the different bodies of the guests around her and she starts to look at herself and realise that she needs to fix some things in her own life before she loses the people she loves the most and it's too late. So interesting. So that's one Christmas morning. That was a very that was a very good synopsis or a very good intro. Oh, thanks. <laughs> um and Cumberson Blade is um the first book in an epic romantic series um, and it follows Mira, who lives on the Isle of Rosemere, um, and she is a wrecker, which means that she swims out to shipwrecks 
um, and loops them um, in order to bring the loop back to her community and ensure their survival. Um, so she's a very morally grow character, <laughs> even though she feels that what she's doing is, is right. Um, she, uh, her and her community get caught by the watch and her father gets taken away. Um, and in order to save him, she goes on a journey to find something that her mother buried in the ocean that she thinks will she'll be able to use to free him. Um, and along the way, she meets some hot guys and... <laughs> <laughs> Has to be some hot guys in there. Obviously, obviously. You know, she's 18. Um, and she meets a crew... Um, aboard a ship who she might or might not be able to trust and she kind of learns her own limitations but also what she's really good at and um yeah it's a good adventure story with lots of romance yeah I love it I would be really curious um or would love for you to kind of give like your story in terms of like how did you get into writing how was it like to get into the publishing industry? Because I know that like that probably was like a journey in itself. Like even like you're being published by HarperCollins, which is like one of the biggest publishers I feel like in the world. I mean, that's first of all, congrats. That's incredible. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but yeah, I'd love to know about like your story and like how, you know, have you always wanted to become a writer? Like all of, all of those kind of questions. Um, I am one of those writers who always wanted to be a writer. Um, <laughs> I used to make books when I was little, like at, like actual like paper books, and then like writing oh. them. Um, and when I was older, I decided to go to university and study creative writing. Um, and it was a lot of like poetry and short stories, and I still didn't kind of have a grasp of how to write a whole book. Um, so I kind of put it aside for most of my twenties and. Um, did what I felt was a proper career and um because <laughs> obviously authors you know didn't make any money or like it was impossible to get a book published mm. um that's what I told myself um and then um when I had my second daughter I kind of took a step back from my career and um I started reading a lot more a lot more widely and I discovered young adult books um which like I hadn't really come across before other than like Hunger Games and it just kind of opened my mind to like, cool, maybe, maybe I could write a book. Like maybe I could have a go. Um, I got an idea and I just started writing just for myself. Like in nap times, um, I, I would just get my laptop out and just write a bit more of the book. And I really enjoyed it. And I managed to get to the end. Um, and then I was like, well, what do I do with it? Um, mm. So I started researching agents, um, publishers and how it worked. Um, I found this amazing writing community online uh, and it was all based on Twitter then. Like everybody was on Twitter. Um, not so much now, but at the time, like <laughs> that was like the place to be. <laughs> yeah. Um, that was like the water cooler. Um, and it was just such a magical time, like querying agents, writing manuscripts, like growing my craft and getting more confident um and then I signed with my current agent I've had an agent before my current agent uh, but I signed with my current agent um after I wrote One Christmas Morning um we worked together on it for a couple of rounds of edits uh and she took it on submission which is when um an agent will take your book and pitch it to editors at publishing houses and she initially did that in the UK. And uh, five weeks later, we got an offer from HarperCollins. 
Oh my god. Yeah, that's crazy. I didn't even realize that like the agent. No, I didn't even realize that there's like, you know, you get an agent first and then they, you know, that makes a lot of sense because I guess then they will have like the contacts of the publishing houses and like know how to. No, how to even get it in the hands of the right people. Yeah, exactly. And my agent, Madalena, she is incredible. Um, She's based at an agency called David Hyam Associates in London. And um, the way that you query an agent is you, um, you'll you send them like a pitch and like the first few chapters of your book. And if they like it, they'll ask for the whole thing. Um, They'll read it and then they'll either offer you representation or pass. Um. It's really hard to get a literary agent, so um, yeah, I'm very lucky. Yeah, I feel like it's. I can imagine. Mm. Yeah, it's Go such ahead. an. Inti- I feel like it's such an. It must be such an intimidating step to make to like put yourself out there and just hope that you'll you'll hear back. So and the fact that I mean, like five weeks into it being out, the fact that you've you know made it that's actually incredible um but I also feel like you have to put so much trust in your agent as well to take your book and then kind of pitch it to other people that's also I I can imagine I mean I wonder how you feel about it but I can imagine it's quite a you put so much trust into someone else to take what you've created and try represent it in the way that you would hope that they would but yeah what was that process like um, well, I mean, signing with Madalena, I had an offer from another agent as well, um, which was amazing. Um, and I, I've really learned, especially with publishing and writing, um, and I think this is true for any industry, um, that I really trust my instincts when it comes to people, mm. because I think that, um, you know, all, all the success I've had so far, I can absolutely owe to the teams that I've got around me. Um, my agent, my editors, um, the marketing publicity people, um, you know, cover designers. And I, I really like to meet people in person because I think you get a really good sense of who they are and what their values are and if you click or not. Um, yeah. And the people that I've clicked with most are the people that I've met and I've kind of thought, yeah, like, you're my kind of person. I <laughs> um, <laughs> love it. And I really feel like that with Madalena. Like, we've met up a few times now, and um, I just feel very comfortable with her. She's very honest and straight down the line, and I love that about her. Um, there's no sugarcoating. Um, mm. So, yeah, it works for me. Yeah, that's I feel like so that's good. what you need in an agent as well. Yeah. Like, you don't want them to bullshit you and tell you, like, oh. oh, I guess they wouldn't be editing the chapters, right? That's, like, the editor that then will give, like, rounds of amends, or does the agent work with you on the the edits as well um not all agents do but um mads does work with me on edits before we take it to um our my editor um she's an incredibly skilled editor like um i don't actually want her to know how good she is at everything because she might suddenly <laughs> leave and like write her own books <laughs> um she's absolutely amazing and um i really trust her opinion and her instincts mm. on my writing and um it's yeah it's worked well for we're a good team it's worked well so far that's so good yeah that's so special to find yeah yeah
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In terms of, because you said that you, when you were writing your first kind of book, you were, you just pulled a laptop out and then you just started writing. I'm so curious to know what that feeling is like. And also just how do you put words onto a page for the first time? <laughs> um, and you said you kind of got an idea, but how did that come about? Like, I kind of want to know more about that process. Wow. Um, I think that summer I'd read a few young adult books. I think I read uh, Requeen by Victoria Aviard. Uh, I read uh, Caraval by Stephanie Garber, and I read ah. a book called Raw. Um, I can't remember who the author was. I will double check. Um, but I think that I had just like almost retrained my brain to start thinking about like fantasy books and stories, mm. and um, the way that stories come to me, um, book ideas come to me, is the opening image. It's almost like watching a film in my head. Um, and I had this, and it's so tropey, and this is the reason why, like, this book did not get picked up, and I won't even try to, like, <laughs> sell it or anything. <laughs> um, I saw, like, a young woman, like, running through a forest in, like, a ball gown, and I was like, who is she? Like, where's she going? Um, Ooh. And that was where that story started. Um, and it, you know, that's not the best opening. It's, like, a lot of people use that kind of opening. Mm. Um but for me, it just got me going and it made, it felt electric getting to like sit down with my laptop and type a few more pages. Um, it was like a really special part of the process. Oh, that's I so interesting. That. So the first book you read, uh, the, the first book you wrote is not one that's now published. No, so it's just, no, it never was. <laughs> and you don't think you're ever going to like pick it back up. No, it's terrible. <laughs> oh no <laughs> no but it's okay I'm sure because, it's not but the thing is like that's fine because I mm. you know I love the process and I learned mm. so much from writing it um so it, it kind of it served its purpose yeah um, I love that yeah that's so fascinating okay so then with compass and blade like how did that inspiration strike because I feel like it's a very I actually have never read a fantasy book that's like set in like sea and like you know I feel like it's quite a specific imagery which like yeah it's quite neat like yeah because what you were saying like the I think the classic like romanticy books that exist nowadays are very much like elf and fae related fairies like, I mean <laughs> the Stephanie Garber ones are slightly different because I guess they're more like fairy tale which is again slightly more like imagery that we're also like familiar with from like other stories yeah. I didn't I haven't read the other ones that you that you referenced but now I'm curious and I, I also want to read them but yeah I'm, I'm wondering like how you know how your inspiration for that like world came about um wow um kind of cheating but I live in quite a special place (laughs) (laughs) I I live on the Isles of Scilly uh which is uh archipelago um 28 miles off the coast of Cornwall um it's deep in the Atlantic Ocean um it's very remote uh there's only about 2,000 people that live across five inhabited islands um, and there are wow. lots of uninhabited islands and islets dotted around. Um, 
lots of like amazing names for places um <laughs> and the whole of the seabed around the Isles of Scilly is littered with shipwrecks there's over a thousand shipwrecks um oh my god oh my god yeah so this so when you read um the world of the fortunate isles and come some blade like it is inspired by a real place um and I got the idea, or I saw Mira for the first time swimming out to a wreck on a really stormy night when I was sea swimming. Uh, like, we have the beach just, like, 30 seconds from our house. So um, I was sea swimming. It was a really beautiful day. But I just suddenly had this image of this young woman, um, pretty fearless young woman, swimming out to a wreck in a really stormy night and um, going out to loot it. And I was like, oh, my who is she like like what is this like this this is really exciting so I I obviously wrote down the idea of my notebook but um it took a few months to develop and and kind of get the shape of the story um and once I started writing it it all just kind of tumbled out um and I find that when I'm writing a book um I come up with like the initial idea or initial concept but then, like, a book isn't just one idea, it's, like, thousands mm. of ideas that, like, all come about part- as part of the process. Mm. Um, and, yeah, it's been really exciting to develop. And, like, when you move on to the second and third book in the series, like, we travel away from the Fortunate Isles, so you see more of, like, the whole world. And um, Ooh, that's been that's really so fun exciting. to develop as well. Oh, my God, I'm excited. Have you read, like, have you written them already? Or... <laughs> the second book is written. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. Oh my god, I'm excited. Do you know yeah. when it's going to be released? Um, yeah, that one's released in February uh, 2025. <gasps> yeah. Okay, I have to wait a whole year. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> That's crazy, though. Wow, you're so busy. Like you're writing a lot. Is that like a like? Do you write every single day or? I, yeah, I do. Um, especially at the minute because I'm drafting. So um. I try and write a chapter a day and if I can stick to that schedule I find that I can kind of get a draft down like fairly quickly even if it mm. is kind of lean and I need to go back in and add in details but um yeah I can generally get something down on paper like within like a couple of months which is um really handy because I've got a yeah, very so high schedule <laughs> so do you have like a daily routine that you follow like so, uh, yeah just a routine that you do to make sure you stick to that deadline um no <laughs> I wish I was more organized um like honestly I'm such a lazy person <laughs> I, I will like slog around in my pajamas for like half a day if I'm given the chance <clears throat> I have been trying to Don't like get up. oh yeah <laughs> um I'm just a lazy book dragon um I've tried to get up and like go to the gym or go for a walk or something like kind of get myself going um and I always have like emails to respond to um and things I have to do like marketing wise um Mm. but I kind of try to carve out a couple of hours in the morning for writing um and I sit down and I kind of I I don't let myself get up and do anything else until I've got my chapter um and sometimes like I will stray to my phone and like check Instagram and then go no no (laughs) check it now like I need to do some writing um (laughs) But yeah, it's that seems to work so far. Um, but like for a full time writer, I always feel like I am the biggest procrastinator. <laughs> 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 yeah. 
I feel like that's probably everyone though, right? Like you always think that like other people are so productive and must just be always engrossed in their creative process and actually probably everyone is like, you know, I, I don't believe that people exist that are like 100% always focused on their craft and I don't know. Although maybe my dad, my dad is a painter and he actually like is very, very Your dad's one of the most dedicated guys <laughs> yeah. I've ever seen in my what, life. What does he paint? Tell me what he paints. Um... I like I don't even know how to describe like the genre of of art that he paints. It's like and probably I'm gonna butcher it, but it feels like surrealist, expressionist, everything. And it just I think it's like his form of of therapy. He listens to the podcast, so I hope he doesn't mind that <laughs> speaking about it. Um, but he like he'll be really upset when we're on holiday because he's like itching to get back to like the canvas and to create. Oh, that's so, so interesting. I, I so understand that that compulsion. Um, that's mm-hmm. so interesting. Does he take a sketchbook with him? No, not really. I think he probably would have done like in in the past when he was like actively working on because he started quite late. I think he was like in his early 20s when he was like decided that he was going to become an artist. Yeah. And it was like, oh, you can't just decide you want to become an artist. And then he was like, you know, practiced and, you know, yeah, uh, I think he must have done a lot of sketches in that time. But now, <laughs> no, I don't know. Yeah, the creative like creativity and like art is so interesting to me because it's just... Yeah, I guess it's just people's, like, release of, like, their brain onto whatever yes. form that, like, it, it channels through. Yeah. It's it's really cool. Like, I was yesterday at a at a concert, a very famous, like, concert hall in Hamburg called the Elbphilharmonie, and they had, like, a Rising Stars uh, program, so it's, like, every, it's, like, a festival, so every day yeah. is, like, a different uh, kind of artist from a different country that they get to nominate. So yesterday was England. Um, and it was like a, this this young guy from from London. I think originally he's from Edinburgh, and he was doing like a Q and A and talking about his process. He's a guitarist. Yeah. And it was just so cool to like hear about, you know, his thoughts behind his music and why he selects like certain genres, or you know, he plays like Bach and then he plays like a different contemporary. I found it very, it's very yeah. curious. Yeah. I love it. Oh, it's so interesting. I love hearing other creatives talk because you just get like a little window into their like brains and how they tick, and it's just fascinating mm. yeah also you have to be some type of person i think to be able to to at least express the thoughts that are in your mind because i think i don't know i'm trying to think if i could ever do that but i think i'm very i don't know i'm like how do you first of all how do you know if you're a good writer or not for example until you <laughs> to actually try to do it because i feel like you never would know so pushing yourself out there i feel like is such a good thing to do but yeah i do think you have to be some sort you have to have some level of creativity to be able to do something like that you know I kind of feel like um I think you should try it Cara like if you want to write you should (laughs) um I kind of feel like we you know everybody could could have it in them to write a book if they're um Mm. if they're willing to take critique willing to give feedback and learn about like how to develop and how to get better as a writer so giving their time um and also just being dedicated like just yeah making it like one of their priorities um in the same way that like a a runner would make it a priority to stick to like a marathon training Mm. schedule um you kind of have to be like that quite um focused yeah yeah we actually got a question because we asked on our instagram and for people to kind of ask questions for you and one of the questions we got i actually think it was like a couple of different ones that were kind of along the same lines of like, okay, if you're an aspiring author, you know, do you have any tips? And I actually know that like, cause we have a book club as well on, on Patreon and 
we did a call and I know that like one of the girls who's in our book club is writing like a YA novel at the moment as well oh brilliant so yeah it's cool and I know someone else who's writing on like a, a YA like fantasy novel I feel like it's it's so cool I'm so excited to like read everyone's thoughts but yeah I wonder if you have any any more advice for people who are aspiring authors oh uh, well um I think my biggest piece of advice um always for aspiring um authors is um to if you can to give your time um so find other writers that you can kind of work with and um offer to critique their work because you will learn so much about craft and about what you like to read and what's working on the page by reading mm. what other people are doing mm. um and you will also start to get a sense of like what everybody's querying and you know which agents are good agents to approach um so yeah give your time make friends and um also don't be afraid to like put your own work out there and receive critique um and you'll eventually like it does take a little while but you will find critique partners who you really gel with and mm -hmm. who you can swap pages with and um you'll become better as a writer through that kind of constructive criticism um also just don't take yourself too seriously like don't take any of it too seriously like treat it like a game like like a bit of fun you know <laughs> don't it's it, uh, until until it's a profession until it's your job it's 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 something fun and it should be rewarding and fulfilling yeah um so don't put pressure on yourself I feel like those are the best moments as well when you're writing it just because you want to write it rather than feeling the pressure of like meeting deadlines and stuff. So it's like enjoying that maybe honeymoon phase of, oh, of getting into writing. Yeah, just enjoy like, you know, feeling passionate about something. Mm. Um, and then your best writing will come through anyway if you do that. Yeah. We actually did yep. have a few questions around feed, like what's it like getting feedback or have you ever received feedback that almost made you like change your perspective or you didn't agree with and how do you kind of respond to those situations like how do you know if that feedback is actually constructive or if you're like actually no I really do believe that your decisioning or your way of writing is the right way to do it how do you kind of navigate that um it takes a little while to kind of um identify um which feedback resonates with you um especially if you're feeling less confident at the beginning of writing a manuscript um I know some authors like to ask lots of people's opinions on their work um, to try and get that like one opinion that will like elevate their work. Um, <laughs> but for me, I think that there's a case of too many cooks. Um, mm. <laughs> <pun> <laughs> <intended>. um, <laughs> um, and I like to be quite selective with who I share my work with. And um, there's, there's a good format for receiving and giving feedback and it's called a compliment sandwich. I don't know if you've ever heard of that expression. Yeah. Um, where you kind of open with something that you really love about the work. Go into, like, um, you know, some positive criticism about, like, maybe if you develop this or, like, have you considered working on that? And then you finish at the end with, like, you know, I really did love it and this is what I loved about it and thank you for sharing it. Um, and I think if you're receiving that kind of feedback, that kind of format, then you can trust the person who's giving it to you that they've got your best interests at heart mm. also it's like the balance of getting good feedback alongside like just positive 
um compliments then with also things that you could look to change or improve i love yeah. that you called it a compliment sandwich. i think i for some reason i thought it was called a shit sandwich <laughs> <laughs> i honestly i'm like wait i'm like who taught me this because that's what i knew it as because you give like the good like good feedback then you you put the shit in the middle and then you end it. <laughs> i'm gonna google this now again it's also the phrasing yeah um, I, I always called it the compliment sandwich because I just love the idea of it being like you know something that's like compliments like sandwiching the the feedback in the middle so it, it I have googled it and it sometimes people do call it a shit sandwich but I prefer your way of saying it. yeah <laughs> yeah I also wanted to know more about the querying process because I can imagine it's so hard getting rejections or, you know, being told no um, and the pushback and everything. So, you know, how how is that process? I feel like it's so scary. It does seem like a really harsh process, the process of querying, and it can be incredibly daunting. And I've known writers, good writers, that have been in the query trenches trying to find an agent for years um, and they just haven't found the right one yet. But... Um, the thing to note about querying and that kind of very harsh process where you get a lot of um, no's um, is that when you come to actually publish your work later on and um, you know you're going down this career route um, you still get no's but in just different formats um, all the way through like um, so it it is about developing a thick skin and it's also about like um, it's about developing your confidence um your courage um and it's kind of an important Mm. process to go through because um you develop that conviction of like no this is what I want this is something I'm going to fight for and um I'm going to keep writing and making my work as good as it possibly can be um to publish um and you just hang in there um which does seem harsh it does seem harsh and I I I do I do I do think it's it can be really hard for querying writers but um if you've if you've got a good book and you've worked on your craft um like if you query the right person you will eventually um have that door open for you One of the things that we love about fantasy books is the whole world building aspect of it. And we've been so curious to ask you, um, you know, what's it like creating these worlds and how do you create um, the the world in your stories? Well, with the world of um, Compass and Blade and the continent, which is like the wider world that the Fortunate Isles sit within, um, this is a world that I've been developing in my head for years long before I got the idea for Compass and Blade. Um, so Compass and Blade and the Fortunate Isles is actually a very small um, kind of s- like stamp-sized part of like an entire world that's got um, a history and um, politics. And um, it's what, what I started with, with the world building for this world is a map. And if you look at the map and the map is... Um, it was designed um, actually by an islander over here called Daisy, uh, who's a fantastic Aww. artist. Um, that was her first piece of commissioned um, artwork for a book. Um, so 
feel very grateful to her. She's still actually at uni studying fine art, so um, like definitely one to keep to watch Daisy Davis um, for the future. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> um, so I started with like a map, and if you look at the map, um, it does look a bit like Europe, and there is a reason for that. Um, and I um, I kind of thought about this world and like what each of the countries would be like years ago. So when I started to flesh out um, the Fortunate Isles and some other islands close by to it, I, I already knew what it sat within. Um, and I already had an idea about the other worlds that it sat within. Oh my God. Which we don't touch on just yet in Comes and Blade, but maybe in the future. <laughs> I actually was going to ask because I don't think we received um a map in the version that we got. So, oh, I don't think so, but let me just hold it up on the screen. Um it was like one of my first questions when I signed my contact was can we have a map? <laughs> I love <gasps> Can you see it? I love it. Wow, it's so intricate. Uh, yeah, Daisy's done the most fantastic job. Like I love her illustrations. Um yeah. That was definitely something I thought when I was reading. I was like, oh, I wish there was a yeah. map in this book. Um, so, so glad that there is um, um, one. Yeah. What about with the cover of the book? What's uh, what's it like with that process mm. with like choosing what the cover looks like? Because I know people say don't judge a book by its cover, but I feel like a cover also says so much about a book. Yeah. How, how was it for you kind of seeing the cover come to life and everything? Do you know what? Um, with I, I have to be honest here. Like... The, the cover for Compass and Blade, um, the UK cover, um, I had, like, I, I, I almost had no input in that process. Like, the the art team, um, mm. they had such a vision for it. They read the book and they were just so passionate about the story. Um, and they were like, just leave this with us. Like, we we, we have a, an idea and we yeah. want to run with it. Do you trust us? And like, obviously, yes. Um and they uh, they asked uh, Nico Delort, who designed the cover for Babel, um, if um, if they wanted to illustrate, and uh, they said yes, and they were on board, which is uh, really exciting. Wow. Um, and they, you know, we they um, they sent back a cover sketch, um, and uh, we made like a few small adjustments, but nothing major, and. Um, the art team at HarperCollins um, kind of created the the colours around it, and it's just so much more spectacular than I ever could have imagined myself. Mm. Um, so I, yeah, I I don't have that vision in the same way as like these artists do, and I'm incredibly grateful that they had such you know passionate ideas for my book. Um, and with my latest book for adults that's coming out in October, I will. I can actually show you uh, yeah. the cover sketch. <laughs> Let me just bring it up. Um, and it, I, I just find it so fascinating, like how, how they come up with it, because you know they read the book and they talk through the concepts and house and, um, and. Such a cool job as well, I think. Oh, such a cool job. And um, you know, they and they they look at the market and they think about, you know, what what would it sit next to, um, and like who is the author, like what kind of vibe are we going for? Um and anyway, I feel like they they've like got got me, if that makes sense. Like got yeah. my vibe, like my brand. Um and this is 
the <gasps> initial sketch for the latest. <laughs> and I, I know. I just gasped. I was like, oh, I love goodness. it. Like, yeah, I love it. But I feel like that that also looks nice next to the Compass and Blade um, cover as well. Yeah, so. and that's a different art team, but they've just, it's like they, they've just got it. Like, it's brilliant. Because, yeah, I can imagine it being quite difficult if, you know, they don't really nail it or, like, they envision it quite differently. And, yeah, I mean, it says so much about a book, doesn't it? It is such a tricky one, covers, because um, I think... I've heard someone say that it's like a dress that you have to wear for a whole year and you have to like it, <laughs> whether you like it or not. You have to say that you like it. That's so true, right? Because once you make the decision, that's it. Like it's Well, I guess you can come up with like ex- uh, like special edition yeah. versions, but yeah, you, you do have to you love do. it at the yeah. end. It represents um, you. But how early on, I guess, bef- before it's released, how early on do you get to, to kind of visualize the cover? So like, do you have time to kind of sit on it and... Or, yeah, I don't know. How quick is it from you seeing the design to being the final one? Um, Well, um, I I guess as an example, this cover that I've just been sent for um, Woodsmoke Women, um, uh, like, I feel like it's pretty much, like, done because I think it's fantastic already. Um, My editor's got uh, a couple of, like, tiny tweaks she wants to make to it that she wanted to run past me, um, which is really cool of her. I really like her and um, <laughs> <laughs> awesome and um, that's uh, where are we October so that's is that 10 months out are we 10 months nine yeah so that's a while but um, they they kind of need to know quite early on because it will start to go into production um, so they'll start to produce the early copies and they'll normally take like bits and pieces um, from uh, the cover design to create those early copies um, or in the case of the US, they normally will just kind of take like what the final cover will probably look like and create mm. those like galleys and arcs. Um, so they need to know quite early on so that they can create those. Um, and also they need to start getting it up onto retailer sites as well because it's what people look at and it, it's what grabs people first is yeah. the title and the cover, isn't it? Speaking of the title, did you always know that it was going to be called Compass and Blade or... Did you have a couple of ideas? So actually, I will I will let you in on a secret. Um, I have not titled any of my books. <gasps> Every single one I've titled something, given it a different title um, before I sent it to like my agent or my editors. Um, and they've <laughs> kind of gone, do you mind if we give it a different title? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Can we know what was one of your initial ideas for Compass and Blade, or is that, or you do you not want to put it out there in the? No, universe? no, no, no. Like I'm really happy to share. Um, so it was always called Into the Tide, um, which um, and actually there's like a line um in the book in one of the I think it's like chapter seven or eight, which is like a callback to the that that title, like as we go mm. into the tide. And I was like, I'm so clever. Like, look at me. <laughs> coming up with a callback like (laughs) um but then like my team got together and they were like look how um how how much do you love this title like could we possibly change it um how do you feel about that and I was like it's fine like you know it's your job to sell the book and like market it and stuff Mm -hmm. like I'm not overly attached to to a title 
except for that one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what about One Christmas Morning? What was that called? Oh my gosh, it was actually really bad. Um, and it actually, <laughs> so I, mean, I was like, all the way along, I was like, I don't know what to call this book. Um, it was called The House Party, which actually is, is fine, but it doesn't really bear much re- relevance to, you know, many of the themes in the book. Um, it's crazy though how like even you just saying the t- different titles. I've only read Compass and Blade, obviously, but yeah, it like gives a completely different feel to the book as well. So yeah, it shows yeah. how important titles are. Um, completely. But I love how you said you like put it in the book, and you're like, oh, it's so sorry. Because <laughs> my my partner points that out all the time whenever we're watching movies, and then they like say the name of the movie in the movie. He's always like, oh my god, <laughs> they said the name of the movie. I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> In Woodsmoke Women's, which is so like my next adult book is called um, the Woodsmoke <laughs> Women's Book of Spells, and um, like that title that took like my UK team, my agent, and my US team, all of us like emailing for like a couple of months, like different ideas. Oh my god! Yeah, and like the sales team like coming in and giving their thoughts to try and find like the right title for this book, um, because it was originally called the last line in the book um so when you read it uh and you read that last line you'll know what it was originally titled i'm so excited for this one i feel like any book about magic is just so perfect yeah witchy reads are the best um like i love practical magic so i was like i just want to write my own practical magic book (gasps) we watched practical practical magic together and it was just such a vibe it used to be my we watch it all the yeah. Yes. I also it was like my one of my favorite movies growing up. Weirdly, same. Even though yeah. it's not really a, it's one of my favorite kids movie. Yes. Um, but the vibe that it makes you feel yeah, it's so nostalgic, isn't it? And I yeah, I, love I know it. what you mean. I love it. Now that you write books, has your experience of reading changed, or do you feel like you can switch off and just like fully enjoy the book, or do you start to notice things of like oh I can do this <laughs> or um? Do you know what? It's funny you should say that. Um, like. I'm finding more and more as I read books, like, I'll be like, oh, that's really clever, like, what they've done there. Or, you know, like, that twist, like, wow, that's super clever. Like, I would never, like, take an idea from a book, but I always admire when someone does something really clever. Um, And the books that I know that are really good and really suited to me are the ones where I can switch that part of my brain mm. off and just, I get, I'm reading it as if I'm watching a film. Um, And then I know that it's completely hooked me. Um, I do find sometimes though now, and it's kind of a curse, is that I'll be reading through a book and I'll, and I'll like almost like edit it as I'm going. Like I'll think like, oh, I would have used a different word there. I'm like, stop it, stop it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you have your writer's lens on. Yeah. So you obviously mentioned at the beginning of the book that uh, at the beginning of this call that you um you're like there were hot guys. There's obviously hot guys in the book, and I obviously love the whole romance aspect of it. But I wonder what is the experience like almost creating a romantic character and like creating the relationships and the tension and the chemistry that ends up, you know, creating that relationship between the characters. What's that like? Have you ever based a romantic character on someone that you know or is it completely like fictional? That's a good question. Um, I kind of have to write it to really get into like um, what the characters are like on the page and how they interact with each other um but i will say that eli in the book is totally henry cavill (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh my god, that's actually so cool. Okay, so you like visualize the person, and then I was trying not to. I was like, go away, Henry. Like, this is about Eli. <laughs> <laughs> okay, if there's a if there's a movie adaptation, it has to oh be Henry playing it. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be that so is cool. so funny. Actually, now that you say that, now that you say that, I do picture. So who him would be Seth? <laughs> I think it'd be um, Timothy. I'm gonna say this wrong. Timothy Shalom. Oh, I, I still see that. Yeah. He'd be perfect. But... I really see that. I want to say a spoiler, but I won't. But it's like, oh my god. <laughs> yeah. So many feelings about that person. Yeah, his character was yeah. was hard to, un- not understand, but unexpected. I feel like you yeah. you kind of root for yeah. them, and then yeah, I don't know. I'm like trying not to spoil anything. <laughs> no, you're fine. Too. I definitely think like, because there was like a plot twist or I feel like several twists in the book that like I did not see coming and you kind of didn't know where it was going um and I I wonder like when you're writing it were you almost like overcome by the twist like you were like oh my god okay this is what's happening or did you were you planning and like leading up to the twist like for example like you obviously mentioned that there is betrayal in the book of some kind like did you know who was going to betray who or did it yeah did it come when you like explored the characters more and, and wrote like chapter by chapter um I did know who was going to betray who, mainly because, um, and the and the clue is really in their upbringing, um, like who they are as mm. people, um, who they surround themselves with, and if you look at that and look at the influences they've had in their lives, um, then I think then it 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 becomes something that's like, oh yeah, I can understand that, like I can understand why they behave the way they do because. Um, yeah that's who they are as people like that's their nature um Mm. it's in mirror's nature to like to work as a team and to trust people and to um she lives in like a small community where like all she's known is like a group of people who she trusts with her literally with her life um so when she effectively goes out and finds like a new team she trusts them because yeah. that's who she is and that's how she like operates in her world. Um, so when that trust is ripped away from her, um, that's when she kind of learns more about herself and actually about the world that she lives in. Um, whereas for Seth, he has grown up uh, with um, quite a cutthroat kind of crew, a uh, cruise. Um, he... Uh, has not had that kind of tight-knit community that he's grown up with and he's learnt to fight for himself. Yeah. Hmm. Um, and when you look at it that way and drill down into who they are as people, um, then you can see why certain characters act the way they do in yeah. the story. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. I feel like one of the questions that we also had was like you know the themes and messages that maybe like you hope to take away from like both of your books because I feel like I, I remember reading one Christmas morning specifically and I was feeling like quite down like in that in that period and I read it and I really felt like so much better after reading the book like I feel like it was so hopeful and like inspirational like I really felt like it like gave me the perspective that I guess like she also gained like in the course of the book 
and I feel like Compass and Blade is maybe a bit more like subliminal because like the focus is more on like the adventure part and the yeah. world building and the romance and everything but I wonder if if that's something that like yeah you think about actively when when reading the book like what do you want the author the, the reader to, to take away from the stories yeah and um, I'm really glad you said that because uh, with One Christmas Morning like ultimately it, it is a book that's about hope um, but it also gives the message that like hope is complicated um, and it's something that we have to like actively strive for um, and that people are complicated like human beings are and um, no one is essentially good or essentially bad um, hmm. we're humans who make mistakes and learn and grow and um, that's kind of Eva's journey is that she's got to keep growing hmm. um, and in the world of Compass and Blade, um, I really dig into that fact of um, no one is essentially good or essentially bad um, because everybody thinks that they're doing things for the right reasons. Um, and I wanted to create essentially an entire series of morally grey characters um, because it will outrage some people and it really mm. has done. I've seen some reviews and um, some people are incredibly outraged by the fact that there are wreckers um and some people are like oh I understand because you know it's a small community and you're fighting for like your people yeah um no one is right in that situation like, yeah that's so interesting because true you could probably also almost write a book from the perspective of like the watch you know that's like trying to control exactly and like you know keep the community safe yeah so that's so far but then they're also obviously doing bad things in their own way so yeah, yeah. Yeah, morally grave characters are really fascinating because I guess that is just like life, isn't it? Like everyone is a, a villain in someone's story and the yeah. hero in someone else's, or exactly. and it puts it it puts it on the reader to make their own interpretation of like the ways that they connect. I think with each character and then the ways that they might disagree. So I think exactly maybe subconsciously makes you question your own mora like moral standpoints and maybe how grey you might be as well as a person. Um, yeah, yeah, no, I love that aspect of the book. Because I, I agree. I think it's okay. you can't. There's no good or bad. There's everyone. Humans are so complex, and we have our own reasons and yeah, yeah, ways we connect with other people, and everyone's trying to do their best or like what they think is the right thing. But it might even if it's not, yeah. But I like yeah. how subconscious that was in the book. You know, I don't think it was as, mm. it, yeah, it's not something that she's like out there trying to figure out. But you just you still feel it um, when you're reading the book. So yeah, yeah it's very interesting. You mentioned reviews. Do you read like every single review that's on like Amazon or Goodreads or whatever platforms exist? Um, I've stopped. And then I read a couple of like really scathing reviews and uh, they did have oh. a few good points. So I was like, well, actually, yeah, you've got a point there. But then I was like, no, 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 no. I need to like just step away from this because mm. um, yeah. it, it's that thing again of um, for me having too many cooks if I've got all of these mm. people's opinions in my head it's going to be really hard to write more books because I'll be thinking like oh, yeah this person thinks that this character is like this or mm. I should have done this um when really I've got to kind of stick to my vision um but having said that like readers should have their own opinions and like they are every reader is perfectly entitled to their opinion and whether that's good or bad and um to be able to talk about it because like once like I've written the story and it becomes like an actual book it's not mine anymore like I'm essentially mm. giving it to the readers. Um, so, 
Yeah, uh, I just should not read my own reviews. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair. I feel like that would be very difficult. That's also like the internet in general, and I, I guess that's also like now TikTok is also so involved in, or the internet in general is so in like entrenched in like even the the book community and like the the publishing industry. I feel like it's like whatever anyone does on the internet. Like yeah. I through my job, I I meet a lot of influencers nowadays, and one of them has does like food and food videos, and she was saying that she got one video which like blew up, and people because people were like so angry that she didn't wash her vegetables and she was like I did wash my vegetables she just like didn't film it you know but it's like I think it's so interesting people nowadays really think that they know everything about a person or everything about people's intentions because they've you know and I guess the same would go for like an author like you know Colleen Hoover for example I don't know if you've read her books but obviously she was massively hyped up and like you know she grew so big because of book talk and now it's the same people tearing her back down and you know, ascribing specific intentions to our books or, you know, villainizing certain aspects. And I wonder if that's like something that almost like, yeah, what's your relationship with with book talk or booktube or uh, bookstagram, whatever, (laughs) like all of all of the all of the ones? Um, I've got to be honest, like, I don't really um, go on like, um, kind of book influencers, um, social media pages, because um, I I think that those are reader spaces. Um, they're not author spaces, mm. and it's not for me to encroach upon. Um, like I'll create the piece of work, and then it's up to them whether they want to discuss it or not. Um, I hope they discuss it favorably, but that's <laughs> that's kind of up to them, and it's just my job to kind of write the best book I possibly can. That's a, that's so interesting. I've never thought of like that type of distinction of different spaces you know for writers and readers like even I guess like virtual spaces but I think that sounds like a healthy yeah, such a healthy you mindset to, set, to have you know because also because yeah. even within those book influence like the posts and stuff there will be debates of like different readers points of view and I guess that's exactly what the space is for is for people to share their reading experience rather than for you to see it and then step in and be like oh well this was my intent because it doesn't matter at the end of the day <laughs> like yeah whatever yeah. way they read it they'll interpret it so um yeah such a good mindset to have actually and like good that you have it I think so early on Um, I I just you know um if a book a book talker is is talking about my book like that's their piece of art that they're creating should I then go in and criticize that and you know I'm not the right person to go in and and judge that and yeah very interesting maybe one we Leo we should take on as well to just be like if they have any you know opinions that's theirs yeah that's true yeah yeah I I really like that point of view Okay, I have another, and maybe like we can, we should probably like because <laughs> yeah. you've been talking for like over an hour. Um, but I wonder if you have a favorite character that you've written about, like for whatever reason. Um, maybe that's a difficult, and it could even be from something that's unpublished yet. But yeah, do you have a favorite character? Do you know what I do? I do have a favorite. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it will change in the future, but um. This is a character that you won't meet until book two in Compass and Blade. And I I really like her. I find her really interesting. And um, she's, she's essentially the most morally good character I've ever written in a way. Um, she's very strong. Like, she's physically strong as well. Uh, she's basically like a plus size um, huntress. Um, of like Ooh. magical creatures, ma- monsters. Um, she's a monster hunter, um, 
and she is um, she's a really interesting character because she she's always thought in a certain way um, because that's how she's been taught and then in in the book in the second book she starts to because of certain things that happen um, she starts to question everything um, and it's based on her value system which is loyalty she's loyal she's an incredibly mm. loyal character and um things that happen um she basically she starts to question things and she has a very like strong moral compass uh, that she doesn't um stray from um so it's really interesting to write her and to work through like her mindset and how it changes and how she thinks about the world differently because of certain things that happen um and i really loved writing her my gosh oh my god i'm excited to meet her yeah. on pages <laughs> do you like do you ever find yourself like projecting certain characteristics that like either you wish you had or you feel you have or people like i don't know your daughters or friends of yours or you know people in your books like into your protagonists um, so maybe subconsciously even oh gosh um I, I try not to put any characteristics of people I know in my books because mm. um, what if they didn't like it? What if they don't <laughs> recognise themselves and like, why have you written me into this book? Um, <laughs> that might change if someone's really mean to me. Put them as a villain. Um, <laughs> um, I, uh, in One Christmas Morning, Eva's anxiety is... Um, a direct reflection of my own like um I um, manage anxiety every day I've learned to manage mm. anxiety and um so Eva's journey towards like managing her anxiety throughout the book um is very much based on my own experience and um in fact every main character I've written in the book has some form of anxiety um and actually I wonder if it's quite reflective of the modern world as well mm. um there are mm many women I speak to that haven't got some form of anxiety um so that's something that I definitely explore in my books love that. I love that yeah I feel like I mean again it's probably like a very just I mean it's sad that it is relatable but it is <laughs> yeah it's good that it, I as in in terms of like that you can read a book and you feel reflected in it and that you feel like okay you come you understand it because you've been through it yourself and then yeah you know that does make it a more authentic reading experience versus like writing about you know a type of mental affliction that yeah. like you don't actually Connect you haven't it. actually experienced yeah. yeah yeah I think it's good to be authentic and to put things piece like small pieces of yourself in your books because it just makes it feel more real yeah I'm I'm yeah. so excited for your your favorite character because I feel like I'm very similar <laughs> to that and like I'm always questioning why I believe things always trying to understand my values and check in with myself so I think that's also very relatable. I think a lot of people feel that way. So I'm very excited now to try connect with her. <laughs> we'll have to wait some time. Yeah. You were saying that like some, for you, like a good book nowadays is like when it like completely takes you out of, like you don't think anymore about like, oh, how are they writing this or, you know, all of this. So what are like some books recently where you're like, okay, you, you would definitely recommend those. Like maybe, maybe three books or I don't know, whatever comes to mind where you're like, okay, you definitely, those are like, amazing books yeah oh my gosh okay let me just grab my planner <laughs> I always write down and then I'll remember which ones 
<laughs> oh, perfect. Um, this is a very selfish question because I'm like, I, I know, I'm like, this will help me reach my reading goal. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> no, I always love talking about um, other authors' books. Okay. Ninth House and Hellbent by Lee Bardugo. Oh, I want to read more by her because I haven't like read her. What's the famous series? Like the Shadow and Bone or? Yes, yeah. The Grisha, the Grisha um, books. So they were her first books. Okay, wait. Um, okay perfect yeah but these these two that she's written they're like dark academia and they're adult like they're Mm -hmm. definitely adult books Mm. um but she is so clever and she creates such a compelling plot um and I still think about those books and those characters and I read them like early last year when Hellbent came out um another one that really uh like drew me in was um <laughs> fourth wing oh yeah <laughs> can't can't not be mentioned oh my god so good so like <laughs> i was hooked from that power pet scene like my heart was in my throat with her like <laughs> yeah. walking across it with like one of the wrong boots and then it starts raining and then <laughs> that guy is like behind her like coming to like push her off i was like oh like she's not gonna survive like how is she gonna survive and then she does and it's just like it was uh uh, yeah i i was hooked i thought that was a fantastic book um (laughs) trying to think of one more do you know what um a book i read uh really recently which um i thought was fantastic and actually um i think i think everybody should read this book um is yellow face by rebecca kwang Oh, I want to read it. I haven't read it yet. Yeah, she um, she it's a literary thriller. It's a thriller about um a girl who basically um plagiarizes the manuscript of um of uh her friend who um dies, and that that's not spoiler. Like it's in mm. the it's in the pitch of the book, but it's a really good exploration of racism. Um, because mm. it goes through her internal thoughts of um how she sees the world and the mm. people around her, and it is like I gasped a few times at the the way she thinks in her head, and um, I, it was just awful, <laughs> absolutely awful. <laughs> like Rebecca Kwan, like she did a really clever job of um, mm. portraying this um white character and um i think that everyone should read that book um and it was also incredibly compelling like i zipped through that book it was really well written wow um oh that was brilliant yeah i can imagine that have you read her other books like babel and uh, the poppy war trilogy i've started babel and um, i'm really enjoying it but it's quite like dense and so i need to like Mm. pace myself um it's so clever yeah she's so so clever yeah and all the footnotes and everything um yeah i so i want to pick up the poppy wars as well have you read it yeah i've only read the first and i honestly needed to take a break after because it's so brutal like it's because obviously what she does really well is she brings in like real historical conflict and and this book deals very much with like the yeah like real life historic events and the war crimes that happened and like some of the scenes are so graphic that yeah I was and it's so like full of rage and everything that I it was amazing yeah 
but and I've heard that it like properly breaks you throughout like mm. the other two as well so I feel like I needed like a bit of a break I was yeah. like okay but it, yeah she's incredible so yes I'm excited to read it but I think yeah there were some scenes of like babies being cut and mothers being yeah it's like really very graphic most graphic book I've definitely ever read in terms of like violence mm. so not for the faint-hearted. But she loves yeah, to explore that YA. of violence in her books. So, yeah. Yeah. Violence, racism. Colonialism. Like, I think she's... Yeah. yeah. It's, honestly, she's in... I mean, you can tell that she's been to, like, Yale and Oxford and all of the... All of the... All of these <laughs> universities. Like, she's a very intelligent yeah. woman. Yeah. So. she's Yeah. I feel like she's a very important writer. And I'm really, really glad that HarperCollins published Yellowface. Like, I'm really glad mm. they did that because um, I, I think that speaks volumes. Yeah. Um, yeah, because it's a critique on the publishing industry as well, right? From from what I've heard at oh, least. Oh, yes. Yeah. So, takes guts to publish <laughs> a book. That's like a critique. Of publishing. <laughs> of you, in a way. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Okay, well, I feel like we've taken enough of your time. Oh. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you for your time. Uh, for speaking to us. If you want people to find you or like what websites or sources can we share with everyone so that they can check out your work? Um, thanks, Cara. Um, so uh, I'm mostly on Instagram uh, and uh, my handle is rachelgreenlaw underscore um, and my website is rachelgreenlaw.com. Perfect. Perfect. We'll have everything linked as well in description. the description. Yeah. And yeah, everyone obviously has to read your books. And the One Christmas Morning, probably more a Christmassy read. So yeah. that's coming up soon again. <laughs> but Compass and Blade is going to be out so soon. So we'll again, we'll put the date as well in the description when it's actually available for sale. Maybe it's going to be now, like by the time it's released. So see. But read it and then we can all discuss. Yeah. <laughs> amazing thank you for your well, time thank you guys for listening thank you so much and thank you rachel so thank much <laughs> this has been very exciting thank you <laughs> okay bye everyone bye bye, bye. bye. <laughs>